Hey, everyone. Welcome to the check-in. Here with Sonia. Hey, hey, hey. Yep, here we are. Another day. <laughs> yeah. Another day of checking in. It is. Yeah. I, I like the check-in. I do, too. And I'm incorporating it in other parts of my life. You know, yeah, like I'm checking in with other people and just being like, yeah. Yeah, which, is, which I'm hoping people are. Right. Be a nice goal. Right. Because we're really not that interesting, to be honest. No. But. No, it's better if people are checking in with each other. Yeah, yeah. Just take our advice. Go check in. Go check in with someone else. That'd be better. Yeah. yeah, I'm hoping that that's what's going on. You know what would be great too? I just, I mean, along the themes of things that we talk about on and off of this particular podcast, is to check in with people that we normally wouldn't check in with. Right. Yeah, that's more. So, this isn't like my answering the question of what I'm noticing because that that was skipping ahead. Um, <laughs> but I don't really want to talk to very many people right now. Mm-hmm. So it's weird how I had this energy and longing for for social connection, but yet it's gone on for so long. It's like I don't even know what I would talk about. Like what's happened? Right. Like every day is kind of boring. So, anyways. Anyways, we can relate in the boring. The, this people person is not wanting to connect with lots of people. Well, so input, output, right? We talked about that a little bit. We did. Like if you don't get that, the, the energizing force. Right. That. Some a bit flat. <laughs> <laughs> a little dull, if you will. A little dull. I'm a little dull. A little boring. Oh my gosh. But boring is what it is. So it's, fine. it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. All right, so I guess uh, I'll ask you first today. What are you noticing, Sonia? <laughs> oh my gosh, I was waiting for the question. Yeah, the formality of the question. Yeah, because yeah. It's, it's really important how I say that. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, well, this morning I'm actually sitting in a lot of heaviness today. So normally I love to come into this and kind of bring the lightheartedness into it. Right. Like there's a serious nature, but then. I also just want to have fun, you know? And this morning it started, um, I'm really like, I just this morning I've been really sitting with and, and taking time thinking about, um, Ahmad Arbery. Mm -hmm. And I think like my, it, these, Mm. ever since, um, my friend Jason, black man here in Portland, shot and killed by white armed security at Portland State University, ever since that happened, um, there's been a, obviously it's just, it's more, it's close to me, right? Yes. And yes. having a, uh, a four-year-old son who presents as a black man, who will present as a black man. He's presents as a four-year-old toddler right now right. and all his cuteness and non-threatening ways right. in which he exists in the world right now. And I just, I, so I think about the world that he is coming into. I think wow. about the way that mm. I want to protect the sweet moment of innocence that he has where race and the color of his skin does not impact his life. You know, he doesn't have to think about his how right. he acts or behaves because others might view him in a certain way. Wow. And it makes me mad. Like, I'm, I'm yeah, sad. Should. I could start crying about it right now. But it makes me angry. And I, I was on um, – I hopped on Twitter this morning, and um, Dr. Russell Moore, who's 
president of the ERLC, the um, Ethics and Religious Liberty yep. Commission. Yep. So it's a yep. it's a conservative movement, a conservative organization, and he had put out. Um, um, he's kind of known actually within conservative circles as being an anti-Trump uh, okay. person. So he hit, um, anyway, he posted um, basically a, a biblical argument, you know, that mob murder is never justified. Like he, right. he like in a four tweet kind of thing. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, of course. Right. You read this and you go, of course. And then you look at the comment section, which no one should ever look at the comment section. I don't know why I even bother looking at the comment section, but I look at all the comments. Yeah. And it's like you can like there it is. There's the racism. There there it is. And you you don't have to go looking for it. It's so gross that we can't even agree that mob violence, mob murder. You know, and then of course there's ways, you know, there's all this justifying around it and kind of creating this scenario around the case. And and if I'm honest, like for me in this particular situation, I saw what was happening in the news. I haven't seen, I don't want to watch the video and not because I don't, I kind of, it's like almost, I think I hear many of my black brothers and sisters being like, I don't want this like perpetuate, like an ongoing stream of this, of this human being murdered, being lynched, like a modern day lynching. And so I haven't, I, I don't plan on, on watching it. Um, but I was reading more on the case on what happened. I mean, there were questions about like, who, how do, how was there a video? Who was shooting a video of this? Right. right? right. And, and what was their level of participation in, in what was yeah. happening? There's all these questions about it and, and more information on that is coming out. But I, um, uh, grabbed a hold of, uh, Charles Blow, who is a, um, opinion writer for the New York Times. And he had, um, a piece out today. And, um, I just thought he, he captured much of this in such a powerful way. And I wanted to just read a little bit of that mm-hmm. this morning. Um, um, he writes that the most infuriating part of most of these cases, in which unarmed black men are killed either by the police or vigilantes is the lack of arrest, prosecution, or conviction. So again, kind of going to this mob yep. justice, mob murder scenario. It is not any suggestion that the killers were right morally, but rather that in most cases, it could be reasonably argued that the killings were legal. I mean, this is what points to the structural racism, right? Yep. The structural problem in the United States, in our, in our context. He says, as has, as has too often been the case in this country, the law works to black people's detriment and sometimes their demise. Slavery was legal. The black codes were legal. Sundown towns were legal. Sharecropping was legal. Jim Crow was legal. Racial covenants were legal. Mass incarceration is legal. Chasing a black man or boy with your gun because you suspect him a criminal is legal. Using lethal force as an act of self-defense in a physical dispute that you provoke and could easily have avoided is often legal. And that, that's the pain. I think like I just sit with that. And yeah, the, the system is broken. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The system has always been. And, and these are conversations that I've been in this week um, with, again, with, with, with POC leaders, POC faith leaders. Yes. And, and just recognizing that the system... Um, Creates these scenarios where black and brown bodies yep. die. Yep. 
And, and, and arguably the COVID-19 pro- thing that, that the, the way in which it is affecting the United States is also revealing all the ways in which within the system and in the yep. structures, black and brown bodies bear the burden. And it, it pisses me off. It makes me mad. It makes me angry. And, and there's a, there's a certain amount of powerlessness, but honestly, I just, I'm like, it just, it just makes all of the small to big, like, um, countercultural, like, f, like I just, right. you know, the system. It's like, right. yeah, yeah. The trivial stuff that we face every day is now nothing in relationship to the systemic injustice that we see. Oh. And and yet and yet, the little things like we're saying, like the check-in, like all this shit, really does in some way. Like it does, it does matter. It does contribute as far as like belonging and who we are i think about the fragility like what is the fragility of these white dudes that go chasing at like are threatened by a black man running through their neighborhood yeah going for a jog how How do we get there anyway i think i think the small things yes in terms of connection curiosity i the phrase that that you have coined um to me is so important um, the privilege of distance and we have this privilege of distance where something happens outside of us mm-hmm. and if you haven't experienced someone close to you die with COVID-19 why 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 am I social distancing that's stupid right right, um, right. why like these realities are right. often because we're distant from others right. we're distant from the humanity that we think is is bad mm-hmm. we're distant from the places that we think are bad we're distant from um, our own neighbors. Right, right. And so we create these structures and these ideologies and these ways of being that actually um, feed into yeah. the, you know, the pain yeah. and the rage. So, so yeah. to me, it's breaking down that privilege of distance and actually getting close. It, yes, it absolutely is. And it's, I think, having <clears throat> very deliberate, intentional action that counters this and these narratives, these structures, these ways of thinking that allow these things to happen today. Yeah, there has to be a taking of action. Um, I'm sitting here just looking at, I I pull this out pretty frequently, the continuum on becoming an anti-racist multicultural organization. And... It's just sort of like a, 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 a layout of moving from being exclusive where you are actually maybe uh, you are actually a racist organization, you know, racist to moving to being a fully inclusive space. And that doesn't just happen out of like it doesn't just naturally happen. We don't have a natural awakening to right. to discover, to include other we don't do that. That's not our natural instinct. There actually no. has to be intention and purpose. <clears throat> and I think, um, yeah, and there's so many resources. The thing is, we don't, we don't even have to make up how to do it. There's so many resources and, and tools and people who do this work and want to help organizations, individuals do the work, um, that it takes to, to counter these narratives and, and anyway, the systemic problems that we, we, at least to, to the extent that we can in our sphere, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, anyway. Thanks for your vulnerability. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being mad. Yeah, I'm mad and sad today. Those are the two 
Yeah. I'm sad. I, I yeah. I, whenever it, it definitely becomes personal when I think about my my sweet kiddo. Yeah. And the world he's about to grow up in. And I just imagine that first moment when he realizes like something happens to him because of the color of his skin. Right. And I just right. want to, I just want to like, you know, hover right. <laughs> and like, right? Mama bear, like, protect him from it, that. Which right. I can't. We live in this world and I hate, I hate that I have to prepare him for the world right. in that way. Right. It's like, it's, yeah. Never have There's to something, if you have, mm. if you can raise, I mean, okay. If we rec, if we can acknowledge that we raise white sons different than black sons, then that would be a good starting point to go, yeah, there's some inequality here in our world and some things that are in our system and the way we exist that are inherently wrong. But, yep. And Dave, what are you noticing these days? Yeah, it's hard to kind of go <laughs> go into anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's just it's good to sit in what you've said. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a a sacred moment. Um, I think the only thing that I, I, not to add to anything, but I've been noticing is how the right would like to coin the term pro-life no. and it's <laughs> bullshit and it's only pro-life as it benefits their reality. And it's really easy to pick on the unborn because it doesn't affect them personally. Mm-hmm. So let's pick on the the groups that affect me the least. Mm-hmm. And I'll choose that group to be the one that I'm going to fight for life for. And I'm not saying that you can't fight for life for the unborn. It's fine. But why aren't you choosing The consistency. Life? Yeah, yeah. Why aren't you choosing <clears throat> life for those you actually mm-hmm. have to, you know, cross boundaries yeah. and borders and give up your own privilege mm-hmm. and give up your own... Um, understanding and ways of the world to actually discover someone else. And so people aren't, there's, it's, it's not pro-life. You're not pro-life, you know, to, to see them out, even in this COVID reality to go, you can't take away my rights. People are dying. Like when we look at how many people died through the, um, terrorist attack in New York city, we have more people dying in America. I'm a Canadian, so but there's more people dying in America every day. America in the not, U.S. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the U.S. Then mm-hmm. happened in that one attack. But is there a collective grief in the same way? I'm not seeing it. Yeah. Are we highlighting the names of the people? Are we identifying the pain and the tragedy that this is? No, we're trying to get back to normal. Yeah. Which tells me there's not a value of human life. Well, yeah, and what I would say is that that is true for the people in power that are trying to, who yes. are trying to like get back to normal, which I would say primarily the White House, like Trump and those. So I read, um, I saw in recent polls, eight out of 10, nine out of 10 of those asked were like, we don't want to reopen. We don't want to return right. to normal. There is, so, so I actually think there's, there's a, a collective. The population is like, yeah. I don't know about this, but right. those that have power, those that have voice, those yep. that could be making decisions to make it collective have like our leadership has literally done everything to make everything divisive. So there hasn't been anything even right. in this moment, right, right? To bring a, to have a collective response. Um, if anything, it's. Yep. That's real. Fend for yourselves. Yeah, fight for the for spoils, yourself, you know? Back to that hyper individualistic yeah. reality. Yeah. And, and I'm saying that is what is communicated from the top. I think yes. the people are going, 
No, that's not working. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I th- and I think probably again America is so diverse. So from city to city, from state mm-hmm. to state, you're going to have a very different response. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I was just going to say too re- regarding pro life. I think it's why I have a lot of respect for kind of the that the people who follow that model, the womb to the tomb kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? And they're very strong advocates. Like I think they're really truly trying to live into that we are pro life from unborn to you know to immigration to black lives matter to um, all the ways to our senior citizens to um but yeah it is um yeah i found it interesting in reading the history just side note on that those um the issues that the conservative the gop has come around as and particularly how and then conservative christianity alongside that um, those things were deliberately decided. I think some people are like, well, this is just like it always was, or like somehow maybe like God gave these things no. as a revelation of what to care about. These no. were deliberate, intentional, um, uh, uh, things to rally around and to bring people around in the seventies and eighties. So right. it wasn't it's like, it's a, po- it was a political move. Yeah. It's a politi- and it's a it was not a, move. yeah. So I just can't, like it's not a biblical move. It's not a no. deep theological move. It was a political move 100%. so that evangelicals could have more power yep. um, when it came to politics as a, a caucus of people. That so, is what's real. Anyway. And a lot of our, what we call, yeah, our ways of being dominant cultural narratives, it's not been what it's always, you know, and that's where we're going back. It's what I love about learning from sacred traditions, whether that be indigenous, whether that be, um, yeah, there's just so much depth of knowledge that we can glean from those who have been before here before us. Mm -hmm, For sure. Yeah. Hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you. Everyone for tuning in. And um, yeah, it's good to sit in anger and sadness for these things the injustice is real yeah. so let's find ways to you want to say anything about running for mod yeah i mean um i think it's pretty much all of our social media that i've seen that um hashtag um oh, shoot <laughs> it's out there it's with sean, sean king is is um really highlighting it and pushing it he's friends with the family lawyer and they've been coordinating action collective action so this weekend mother's day um i think today would have been his 26th birthday um they're inviting people to run um uh, a couple miles and there are some other particulars that go along with it just to signify that you're running for that cause resistance so all right so let's be active let's be present in our communities cross divides of difference and let's run for mod this weekend See you later, everyone. Later.